You are listening to Zen and the Art of Triathlon. Well, hey there, all you triathlon freaks and geeks, and welcome to another great episode of Zen and the Art of Triathlon, the podcast where we go long on endurance and learn a little zen to improve ourselves along the way. All right, let's go for a drive. I am not leaving the pool, (laughs) as I usually am, but I am taking a little journey in the car. Makes such a great recording studio. It's nice, clear audio distractions to help the conversation kind of flow. I like doing it. All right, I have a question, a training, a fueling question for training, and we're going to cover that in just a second. Last podcast, I mentioned that I was going to talk about using your tendons and ligaments instead of your muscles to exercise, and this is a really fascinating interesting and useful piece of information. I can't wait to tell you guys. So a long time ago, I was in a coaching clinic and the lecturer was one of the um, best coaches in the world in running. It's like a world uh, Olympic coach. And he mentioned this, that As much as you can, you try to use the elasticity of your tendons to propel you. Swim, bike, and run, if possible. Definitely running. And your tendons take um, pretty much no calories. They're just rubber bands. And what you do is you, you, you do use your muscles. But we're getting right into it, aren't we? You do use your muscles to put you in a position to use your tendons. So you don't not you don't not you don't try to get away with not using your muscles at all. But you try to minimize the use of them and maximize the use of uh, rubber banding. And you, if you've got an engineering mindset, you can start saying, "Oh, this is getting really really interesting." Right? So an example would be if you're hanging uh, from a pull-up bar, it is so much easier to hang than with your arms straight. Then what if you hanged, hung from the pull-up bar with your muscles half contracted? You know, like uh, like your biceps half half contracted. Your biceps would get exhausted so quickly. And unfortunately, in a lot of what we're doing, uh, we do that without knowing. It, and the people that are way faster aren't doing that. They are using their tendons and ligaments uh, for to return energy at the appropriate time. It's all about timing. And that's why they're so much faster. Because it, it, they require no blood flow. That's one reason why if they get injured, it takes forever for them to heal. Because there's nothing going to them to heal them. Uh, that's bad, but it also proves the point. 
But the example he gave is lean forward on your feet just a little bit and bounce up and down kind of like you're doing jump rope. And that's a really good example. Dude, pretend like you're doing jump rope. But use the elasticity of the underside of your foot and your Achilles tendons and the back of your hamstrings and all that to tippy-toe kind of bounce across the room. Uh, And you can... You only bounce like a half an inch, an inch, two inches up and down off the ground on your forefeet. And if you do this, you'll notice that you can... And you do it quickly. You notice that you can bounce across the room using this rubber band motion without hardly using any of your muscles at all, right? But you're springy. Now, he said contrast that. He had us all line up against the wall. Contrast that with walking across the room, doing deep squats, like single leg squats, one leg at a time, you know, in front of the other. Walk across the room. Go go use your muscles. Go, go down deep and then use your muscles to lift you and move you forward. And feel the difference and it immediately exhausts your muscles to do that so the more that you can learn to use the elasticity and rubber banding action of your like a pogo stick like the spring action um, then the faster you will be because you will use less energy to go the same speed or even faster and where you do use your muscles is to you know, position your body to lean forward, um, maybe balance, stuff like that. And, uh, but the forward propulsion, as much as possible, try to get it from the elasticity of your tendons. So I already knew all this from years ago. I talk about it every once in a while on the podcast, but I was listening to a different show the other day and it had, I think it was Sean Bearden who does uh, Talk Ultra, no. Oh, what's the name of that podcast? It's Ultra. Oh, I forgot something. But anyway, he's got kind of a raspy, scratchy voice, but he is legit like the uh, leading, one of the leading physiologists in running. And he said, this is a really interesting number, that in a study, they showed it was something like 80 or 90% of your strength when you're running does not come from push contracting the muscles. It's instead, it comes from the load spreading sideways into the elasticity and, and to other areas into the elasticity and that resistance it hitting a it, rubber banding like it hits resistance trying to go sideways and then when your your body structure responds back with the bounce the rebound back that's directed into forward uh, motion it's directed into force which pushes you off and I was like whoa dude I knew all this other stuff but I didn't have a number 80 to 90 percent 80 to 90 percent so look for a um Look for a podcast from... Well, he was a guest on another training podcast, uh, fortunately. And... No, 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 no. He was on... Oh, 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 oh. What's the guy? 
the guy that, um, that does the Cosmos stuff recently. The, um, the really good science spokesperson. I'll think of it in a minute. Y'all know who I'm talking about. Y'all are probably saying it. It's why. <laughs> anyway, so there's all that. Uh, so I was swimming this morning and I'm uh, doing my glide and swimming is so fascinating because there's in, in no other sport have I seen people who are faster the disparity between fast and slow is so wild and it's so hard to um, see what's going on even though they're in clear water watching everything, it's just amazing to watch the difference between people that are really fast and people that are slow to middle. And what are they doing differently? And so while I was swimming this morning, I, was, I think about this all the time, actually. And I had a uh, moment of uh, revelation where uh, I throw... I was watching a guy after I got out, and he's doing this thing that is definitely will slow you down where they set their arms down in the water. And what you're supposed to do is, is throw your arm forward and then enter and then it enters kind of flat. And that momentum of that throw, uh, propels you forward and you do that throw. You say it's your right arm that you're throwing overhead as you're breathing. You, you anchor and hook with your left arm like throwing a baseball you turn sideways right and you throw your left arm down as a counterbalance to your right arm so your left arm acts as an anchor and also you push off with your back right leg if you're throwing a baseball Um, and you use your left leg as an anchor and your left arm as an anchor point to uh, counter to counter your throw against well, you do all that while swimming. You hook your left arm into the water with your pole, and with that pole, and sitting on your left hip as well, you twist and throw your right arm overhead. And over time, you figure out how to twist and throw your right arm overhead uh, straight. Uh, it goes overhead, but as it enters the water, it ends up straight. So that way it doesn't cause drag. It enters straight. And then, just like throwing a baseball, when you, um, let's see, you end up with your, I think if you throw right-handed, you end up with your right leg behind you because it's been like, it's like your push-off leg. Your right leg is your push-off leg when you throw a baseball. Well, as your arm enters the water, your right arm enters the water, you kick with your right foot, perfectly time it. And it, what's fascinating is you watch really fast swimmers, um, doing kind of like a medium pace their arm enters their water their arm enters the water and as the arm enters with that kick perfectly timed it's almost like they're squeezing themselves into the water from overhead down in but flat and there's nowhere to go but forward so it's a lot of action Uh, it's smooth but it's powerful into a squeeze and that's why then they glide for a second and that's where that mystery is of how are they making the going so far <coughs> sorry how are they going so far 
on that glide with it looks like they're not doing anything well it's all with the momentum that hook on the left side and planting on the left side and then that throw everything on the right side i'm about to get out of the car and i'll test my uh, which foot's behind me if i'm throwing a baseball <laughs> we'll do that in a second and make sure i don't hit this guy checking his mail he's a little too paranoid i'm nowhere near you dude anyway the um with all that extra motion on the right hand side that when it finally when your right arm enters the water you've got that push you got that pull from your left and you got that kick that's that push all at the same time well then you glide like and you're streamlined so it's just smooth it's just smooth and then you you try to repeat it on the other side people end up being better on one side than the other and that's okay that's actually the way um it's lopsided a little bit and that's it's called a hybrid stroke hook with the left swing with hook on one side swing with the other but it ends up when you time it um phelps ian thorpe like i don't know if mark spitz did it but anyway it all works Ooh, looks like our Christmas wreath fell off the front door. Ooh. Let's go into the, the Zentri home recording studios and see what we can do here. I'm going to... We're outside now. Let's see, if I'm throwing a baseball with my right hand, yeah, I stand on my right foot, I lift up my left leg, and then... Yeah, you end up pushing off with your with your uh, right foot. So that's that's your kick as you throw your arm. It's just like throwing a baseball over and over and over again on one on each side. And yeah, there's all that. <clears throat> I got a whole bunch of crap I need to get out of my car. Then on top of that, I want to talk about the elasticity and the rubber banding thing. The dogs are going to go crazy when they hear me pulling up. As I'm doing that glide, I noticed today, as I'm stretched out and I'm gliding, my right arm is gliding out in front of me, that it was becoming very efficient and non-tiring, saving the muscle energy, saving your calories and your contractions, to... Um, Stretch that arm out, press the chest down a little bit, and you ought to do this. Go up to a wall and put your face towards the wall. Have your feet a couple feet back from the wall, but facing the wall. Put your arm up over your head. Say it's your right arm. And there's some sirens. I guess there was an accident. Put your arm straight up over your head and lean in your arm. And now... Do you feel that tightness in your um, in your shoulder and in your elbow and the inside of your armpit? That is your tendons resisting. And that's actually what you need to use. You use that for your um, for your strength. So you it just takes a little bit of muscle strength to throw your arm over your head, right? Uh, and then you low, and then your arms straight over your head, and then you load up on that rubber band 
by really stretching your arm out straight and pushing your chest down and feeling that tightness. And then you start to pull a little bit. Let me see, let me get the keys, unlock the door here. You start to pull a little bit and so that your arm's making that scoop that they always talk about, like your arm's over a barrel a little bit. Hello, Lucy, I'm home. Uh -uh. <laughs> and now that you're, you've created that hook shape, you don't really pull that much anymore for a, a half a second, but you start to contract your, your lats, your, your underarm muscles, not your bicep or your tricep so much, but your lats and your abs which are way stronger when you combine that and instead of, um, instead of your biceps and forearm, right? So it, it saves your biceps and forearm and now you're using your abs and your lats and you're, and you're pulling those and you just keep your bicep kind of locked a little bit with it half bent, maybe somewhat, a third bent and your hand is a scoop but that rubber banding action, it acts as the rest of the, of the load bearing. Uh, and it works. You actually end up saving a ton of energy. Get outside. Get on, get. <laughs> you end up saving a lot of energy. Um, I guess another way to put it is if uh, you... Yeah, I'm going to do it. Where's a wall? I'm going to go up to a door frame. No, I don't put my hands on the wall. Do you like, like your arm is like a half bent, like you're scooping, like you're doing your swim pole, and then lean forward uh, with your head down into that. And so you feel your pec and your, um, your shoulder joint like stretching as if it's not gonna be able to go any farther. That's where you wanna load it up like that. And load that up instead of, um, instead of contracting. Load it up with resistance instead of uh, spending a lot of calories contracting and, and so forth. Unlike our uh, <laughs> who thinks you have only <laughs> so, many, uh, so many workouts left in you or something, like your body's like a battery or whatever. I can tell you, that, well, that's stupid and not true. The, on race day or during a workout, that, that is true. You only have so many um, contractions in you and um, you want to try to um, learn to be more efficient with them so that you can use them uh, the best way uh, to finish either your race or your workout. Okay, now I have an email. Where'd it go? Oh, it's on my phone. I have a message. Let me pull up his name here on Instagram. Somebody asked me, oh, no pro John. <laughs> I like that name. That's pretty good. No pro John says, howdy, Brett. I've reached to, I've reached the point of realization with regards to my swim fueling, i.e. that I could do with having some, not just surviving on electrolytes and preloading, particularly when enjoying or doing, sorry, a brick session. On your podcast, I've heard you mention your homemade drink slash fuel, and I was wondering if your recipe was available. I think you did mention an episode, 
but I can't remember which. Thanks, John. Yeah, sure. And also I've gotten some uh, messages from people lately saying that they're using it, what I'm about to tell you, and they love it. It works really great. You need two to one maltodextrin to sucrose, okay? Maltodextrin, you can buy it in bulk. I just bought a 50 pound bag of it in bulk for, it'll be like $75 delivered to my door, right? And I got it from Honeywell. And, uh, you know, I've got a scoop and then I measure the weight of it with a scoop and um, got a little kitchen scale. So I, I know in my scoop about what's 100 calories. And then uh, sucrose, you can use table sugar. And also you want to add in some salt, electrolytes like a salt stick or whatever. But the what you want to stay away from is fructose, just plain fructose. Fructose tends to make people's stomach hurt, makes them feel ill. Kind of like when you, like you're gonna throw up a little bit. A lot of that is uh, overload of fructose. Fructose doesn't, it tastes great. That's the fruit in fructose. It's super sweet. And that's what they use to sweeten stuff. But that's like if you eat, if you eat too much candy, you know, it, it's not processed directly. It's processed through your liver. And I think your liver just gets like sick of it. And it's like, bleh. And that's that ill feeling. And then you start throwing it up. But sucrose is while it is half fructose it's um it's also half glucose and it's bound together in a way that it doesn't seem to upset your stomach anywhere near as bad so when i was making my own fuel started making my own fuel i started looking around for sucrose so there's table sugar which is which is uh sucrose um i'm trying to think of some other examples but i guess um honey might be a straight sucrose. I ought to Google it and see uh, if is honey sucrose or whatever. But then I stumbled across my favorite, which is maple syrup. And it needs to be real maple syrup, 100% real maple syrup, because a lot of what they say is quote unquote maple syrup is fake. It's high fructose corn syrup with some kind of maple flavoring or some crap like that. No, real maple syrup. Now, maple syrup is expensive. If you buy it in the small glass jars like they sell at the grocery store, what you need to do is look a little bit longer at the grocery store and they sell it like in quarts. Like a quart, and I've got one right here. It'll last you for a freaking month. Um, pure maple syrup. I use Coombs, Combs, C-O-O-M-B-S, Family Farms. It's kind of like this grayish tan uh, plastic, opaque, um, looks like a little maple syrup pouring jar, 32 fluid ounces. So what is that? A quart? And, and it says grade A, dark color, robust taste, pure maple syrup. Now, I'm reading, I'm reading the back of the thing. It's pretty cool. <laughs> um, when you buy it in a bigger container, it gets way cheaper. And then you're like, okay, now I don't feel like I'm being ripped off anymore. And um, one tablespoon is about 60 calories. So I'll do like 100, 110, maybe 120 calories maltodextrin, uh, which is what my scoop will measure out. And then one tablespoon of maple syrup and that's about 60 calories, so that's two to one of 
maltodextrin to sucrose, which is maple syrup. The it works fantastic, and what you do is just scale that up. You know, do you want more or less? And the uh, the bonus upside of maple syrup, besides it having some stuff in it that's good for you because it's got vitamins and minerals, is that it is um, it's non-sticky. So let's say a regular Coke or Gatorade or whatever, stuff that's got fructose in it, for example. Um, I'm opening up my backpack here, getting out my laptop. If you, we're gonna probably look up what is honey. Is it sucrose or glucose or fructose or becrose? If you use, if you spill a Coke or Gatorade, one of these sugary drinks, on stuff, you'll notice this stuff gets real sticky. It gets to be a real big mess, and it attracts bees. <laughs> Pretty bad. Um, I don't know if maple syrup doesn't does or doesn't attract bees. Well, maybe we'll Google that too. And let's see. Is honey sucrose? Let's type that in. But maple syrup. If you spill that, like a drink with maple syrup. Hmm. I'm reading the uh, sugar is 100% sucrose. Honey is made up around 75% sugars, which is roughly, which roughly half is glucose. And well, that's half. Oh, well, no, wait, that's the same. So what's the difference? I'm reading sucrose, glucose and fructose are bound together to form sucrose, right? In honey, fructose and glucose are primarily independent of each other. Honey does have more fructose than glucose. Okay, so honey's probably not. That's interesting. I need to read that. Let's open that one up. So I'll my drink uh, with maple syrup kind of stuff in it, I'll get it. I'll spill it eventually. You spill it on your bike or whatever. You're drinking out of your bottles and stuff. Dude, it rinses right off immediately. It does not stick. Um, you're using a tablespoon, you know, to pour it in your... Whatever, it does not stick. It is awesome. This page does not seem to exist. Damn it! And honey, is it healthier than sugar? Scroll down. I thought I saw the word maple syrup. Maybe I didn't. Okay. Sh sugar, table sugar, is 100% sucrose, which is 50-50 and bound together, I guess. Honey is made up around 75% sugars, which roughly half is glucose and half is fructose. The remaining 20, 25% is water with a trace of pro protein. It's inconsequential on the protein though, by the way. Trace of fat and trace of fiber. Oh, well, maybe. So it's the same thing, but with water in it. Okay. So tablespoon here, so measure for measure. Honey is more calories because Honey is denser, and one tablespoon, which, whereas a tablespoon of sugar weighs only blah, blah, blah. So you need to weigh your stuff, by the way, or just know. Um, so if you're substituting, let's see, this is interesting. Honey has a glycemic index of between 45 and 64, which is lower than sugar, which is 65. Oh, that's about the same. It doesn't really matter. The GI varies with the level of fructose. The more fructose, the lower the GI. And that's because it takes a little bit longer. That's why it hurts your stomach. It backs up. 
Floral honeys have a lower GI in Australia where I live. Single. Okay. So now what I'm looking for, which I don't think I'm going to find at the moment, is what in honey, whether the sucrose and fructose is bound together or uh, glucose and fructose is bound together. That was a really interesting note we just read there. Oh, wait, here it is. I'm on it. I found it. Oh, interesting. Check this out. In sugar, glucose and fructose are bound together to form sucrose, which comes from sugar beets or sugar canes, more commonly known as table sugar. In honey, fructose and glucose are primarily independent of each other. Whoa, weird. Huh, that could be either good or bad. The difference between digestion of honey compared to the digestion of sugar lies in composition enzymes. Sucrose passes through the stomach without any digestion happening because of its disaccharide, a sugar composed of two monosaccharides composition. This means that the enzymes in the stomach cannot break down the glucose-fructose structure of the table sugar until it reaches the small intestine. Then the liver utilizes a few enzymes Okay. Honey is different because of the enzymes that are added to the nectar by bees that divide the sucrose into two simple sugars, fructose and glucose. These sugars are directly absorbed by our bodies and are easier to digest. Interesting. So that's something to try. You could do um, maple syrup and then try honey as your, um, as your sucrose because they're both sucroses it's just uh honey is separated interesting interesting those bees <laughs> doing all the hard work that's such like a bee isn't it to go ahead and split it so it's easier to digest for their babies okay let's see i'm getting out a lunch so i would do that now the other thing is if you If you get in the, I would watch out. The big question by No Pro John is do you fuel for a swim workout? And I would be cautious about that because swim workouts are usually an hour. And I don't think this is what he's getting at, though. Hold on, John. I'm working your way. You, I've found that when I start bringing fuel to a swim workout, that I start becoming sugar dependent. And then I can't work out at all without needing some kind of sugar and it sucks. My life becomes miserable because then I have no energy before my workout and I got to sugar up and then I feel like crap and you know all that stuff. But what he's actually asking about is for longer workouts. So you're training for something where you do a swim and then a bike. Then... Yes, you're starting to get into the territory of your bike's going to suffer because you've burned through all your calories on the swim if you didn't fuel up enough. Now, I would not fuel during my swim. I would pre-fuel before my swim and run off of that, but with a little bit more slower burning kind of stuff and then... Uh, because I think it's a mistake to swim, uh, to fuel while you do your swim practices. At least one thing in your life, let's try not to try not to sip on fuel constantly, and that'll benefit your other workouts, get you better fat burning. But the the thing is, going into the bike ride, you know, you're going to be depleted. 
So what you're looking for is before your swim is uh, something slow burning, but that's not going to bother your stomach. So I would eat something. What I do is I eat a granola cereal, but with whole milk. Let me look. Am I using whole milk right now? Yeah. So whole milk or 2% milk. That way it's got some fat in it and that fat and protein. And then what that does is it slows down the granola and the granola is kind of slow too because it's got a uh, fiber in it. I'm worried about my cat trying to eat my headphones. Hey, we're on to you, dude. And then you can go right, you can go into your swim and have even energy for your whole swim because it's slowly burning off. And this cat is making, dude, cat, let's get out of here, buddy. Come on. There you go. Getting them off the counter. He's making me nervous. <coughs> I've probably bought five pair of headphones over my life from this cat chewing through them because I don't know, he wants attention or something like that. And then he'll chew through these uh, headphones. It drives me crazy. You're like, they were fine yesterday. And then all of a sudden only the left side works. And then you look closely and there's a bite mark. And he does it while I'm asleep. He's trying to, he walks up and down me while he's trying to wake me up to feed him in the morning. And I've had... I'll hear him like start going after headphones that are on the uh, bedside table or something like that. And I'll have to grab them quick and throw them in a drawer or he's going to start chewing on those because he knows it'll get me up because I'm angry and then I'll feed him. <laughs> he's a very food driven cat. But yeah, what I've done is now Iron Man is different. Like you're going into big Iron Man, like you really load up on calories and then let it settle. But uh, mornings that I swim, yeah, I have a bowl of cereal with whole fat milk. I usually do some kind of granola. Cereal with a mix of like, I'll tell you, I got the box right here. It's um, coconut chia, right? So it's got some stuff that's kind of slow in it, uh, whole milk. And then I um, actually like wait about an hour before I go swim. That's kind of starting to settle a little bit. Have a cup of coffee. And then I hit the swim and I, I, I swim a full hour with like no problems whatsoever. But uh, and then I could easily get on the bike and then start loading up on calories again. So I suggest that. Um, and again, I would not start fueling with um, sugary stuff during your swim. I think that it's a mistake. I think that you start doing that, it'll start compromising your other workouts. And then also it's not something you do on race day. I don't know why. If everybody did it, I would totally do it. <laughs> um, I guess because there's not enough clean water to drink during your um, swim to digest. You need about eight to 12 ounces of water to digest a gel. But can you imagine like halfway through the Ironman swim? I bet, I bet you some people have done it. Uh, popping a gel and then taking a few mouthfuls of water if the water was clean, like uh, Lake Tahoe maybe. Um, yeah. <laughs> And then uh, keep on going, dude, you'd feel great. But that's just, uh, I guess you could do like a flask on you, if you like a flat flask and um, drink like a half a gel that way. But anyway, it turns out it's not really a thing that you need. You can load up before the swim and do that. And that's it. All right, I need to uh, eat some lunch myself, get in some calories and get some coaching done. All right, that's out. I'll be back in a minute. Out, bang. Why are you acting all crazy? Why are you doing that? Go, go, go.
I know. We're on you. They're gonna get you. They're gonna get you. Run. All right, we are back. I have a little uh, running warm-up tip I want to share with everybody that I've come across lately. I think it's really handy. I, I didn't do it this morning, and I could totally tell the difference of it not my run not being as good in the uh, beginning as it has been recently. And <clears throat> what happened was, is I I started uh, to try to to try to make my first you know mile or so on my run in the morning be less painful because I was overcoming injuries um, all I needed to do was just kind of stretch out and stretch out my calves and I was looking for a way to do that um, and I live on a street that's kind of a hill and like I can't run on flat ground gently like I just need a gentle I need flat ground basically a very controlled environment to warm up and then I can run I've noticed that if I run you know, too far, too steep downhill, too steep uphill. It's just like banging me around and it hurts. <laughs> it's like riding that roller coaster ride called the zipper at the cheap carnival that they have at the mall parking lot. The one that spins you as it flips you upside down, as it rotates you around. And I call it a three minute car wreck is what it feels like. That's kind of what it feels like when you run without warming up. If you're uh, trying to uh, pamper some injuries and stuff. Anyway, uh, I don't remember how I stumbled across it. I probably wanted to get on the bike and then change my mind or something like that. I went for a run instead. Or no, I was, no, I know what it was. Is I noticed that brick runs, um, my calves were nowhere near as tight because on the bike I'd already kind of stretched them out. So I said, okay, this run, I'm gonna get on before I go run outside. I've got a bike, and you may too have a bike already on the stationary trainer. Or I guess you could just hop on a bike. Uh, I've got a mountain bike with flat pedals on it. I could do that too if I wanted to. Um, but I hopped on the stationary bike and pedaled for a while. And I turned on my bike computer so I could see the watts and pedaled for a couple of minutes until my watts were um, what they were supposed to be like for a good bike ride. Or decent, you know, not too bad. And it was amazing. Like uh, I noticed, my first mile was a was a thirty seconds to a minute per mile faster. Um, I'm in third gear. I need to be in drive. There we go. I was in third gear for a school zone. Uh, just uh, running along, my run, uh, my legs were already kind of warmed up, and my form was way better. And it's running with bad form is what injures you. So if you could prevent that by just hopping on the bike and pedaling, uh, then that's pretty good. And then I got even better about it. Check this out. Hold on. I need a, a sip of coffee. It's cold outside. By the way, I got a cheap jacket. I want to mention, you uh, Then on the bike also, I ramped up the resistance and pedaled standing up. And pedaling standing up uh, really stretches out your calves and gets your hips all into it. And I uh, I would do that until I just about start to break a sweat. So for like just a couple minutes. Yeah, maybe three minutes, I guess. I was about to say five minutes, but I don't think it was five minutes. Just like three minutes. And uh, my other trick 
with that is um, I leave my bike shoes clipped into my stationary bike. One, so my dog can't take them and chew on them like he did with one other pair of really expensive cycling shoes. And then the, um, the other upside is I'm about to go run and I just have on my, um, I have on my running shoes and my cycling socks. Well, I just kick off my running shoes and just hop on the bike and yeah, I'm wearing my jogging shorts or whatever, but it's not that big of a deal. And I kind of pedal and, and then get going and boom, I, uh, up the resistance, do some standing paddling. I go out and run and my run is way better. So I didn't, I didn't do that this morning and I'm about to get into why with that. And, uh, my first, gosh, two miles or so of my run just felt like all, I make notes on everything. It felt all jaggedy. Like just, even though my turnover was good, my form was just bang. I felt like I was banging into the ground and just a mess. So there's that. The other thing is I uh, couldn't find my right freaking headphone yesterday, uh, this morning. And it completely disrupted my schedule. I've got everything timed so that I execute exactly right. And I've really got no margin for error. And I've learned that if I give myself a margin for error, I end up wasting that time anyway. So there's that's not a solution either. But this morning was really annoying. Uh, I realized I, I get about 15, 20 minutes I give myself in the morning after I have a little bowl of cereal and a cup of coffee and I kind of sit down. Uh, but I don't do anything, but I just sit there and think about my day. And I've got like a daily planner kind of out. What am I doing and stuff? And about in 20 minutes, you know, is a nice amount of time. That's where you run out of ideas and you're just like, okay, I think I got everything. Well, like eight minutes in, I go, um, where's my right headphone? And I started looking around for it and I couldn't find it. And I'm like, oh, shoot. And so I started looking and looking and it took me like 15 minutes to find this right headphone. I was doing the iCloud thing where it's like search for your headphones and make a sound. And then that stopped working correctly. And then I have two sets of AirPods. Apparently I've got AirPods, Brett's AirPods, and then Brett's AirPods with a Z for some reason. I'm not sure why in the system. So it doesn't even know. I'm not even sure I'm like pinging the right ones. I can't hear it. I'm in different rooms with my phone as a flashlight, which is a crappy flashlight. And it's just a freaking mess. And so by the time I find them, my my calming planning of the day get centered time is gone plus some and I need to go right into my run and that's why I didn't get my uh, warm up time <sighs> and and then now uh, I'm late for work and so my additional few minutes I can get at work and kind of get centered and all that stuff is going to be gone as well it's going to be right into you know fixing this and un-effing that <laughs> answering emails, all this stuff. But uh, I do have a pleasant story. Uh, a few weeks ago, maybe a couple weeks ago, I was at lunch, uh, eating lunch at Freebirds uh, next to Old Navy. I went into Old Navy and uh, at a discount rate, uh, 40% off, I think it was. They had a, uh, you know these, it's been the trend for the past couple of years, like these uh, puffy jackets that are kind of smooth but they're quilted the stitching so they're kind of puffy but they're thin they're not super puffy 
I've got a puffy jacket with down that's an Eddie Bauer from the 1990s that uh, is a parka, right? But anyway, these are more reasonable. There's my buddy. Uh, he shaved his beard. It's December. Dude was like a grizzly bear. Um, I'm keeping going with mine. I've been growing a beard. It's been rock and rolling. But this, uh, I got the black one. That way it'll go with everything. And dude, it one, it is super light. So I think it was $40. Even at 40% off, it was still $40. Super, super light. It's uh, water resistant of sorts. And dude, it is freaking warm. And it's super easy to just carry around. It stuffs down to nothing. It is amazing. So if you if you don't have one already and you want to get into one and try it out, dude, Old Navy, the uh, the puffy the puffy jacket. <laughs> I don't know what to call it. Big coat, big coat from Seinfeld. Uh, I like it. I like it a lot. And it's just a ton of warmth. And because it's got a zipper all the way down the front, um, you can if you start getting too warm, you can just unzip it. And then if it starts getting really too warm, you just take it off. Put it down wherever and it's so light or whatever it's not like a burden to carry around at all it's like really bizarre how well uh it works anyway that's it i need to go into w to the erk out bang all right we are back i just heard something really cool uh on a pro one of the many productivity podcasts i listen to that uh allows us to visualize what actually makes you happy and and what gives you purpose in life and the guy was saying he's a former ceo and then he was all about results 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 at his job and then he started coming down with parkinson's and he thought there's more to life than this (laughs) this happens to so many of us and he then um started getting in the started running more and kind of getting his life together but anyway he uh he said visualize a rubber band between two points and the point is where you are one point is where you are point a and point b is where you want to be i guess that's a good way to remember point b anyway then he said uh you have to create tension between those two points a little bit of tension and that was the whole point is life without just a little bit of tension at least maybe more for i guess it depends on the person um then it's not an exciting life and you're not fulfilling yourself and then things just feel slack like imagine that rubber band just hanging limp (laughs) because there's no tension from where you are to where you want to be and then those uh that tension is actually stored energy. And then you use that energy. Or imagine playing a guitar with the strings loose and just limp. It doesn't sound bad. And, of course, uh, the Buddhist thing... Actually, here's your moment of zen. The Buddhist thing is um, Middle Path, which is a guitar string that... Or what, whatever they call their instrument, their string, common string instrument back there is uh, it sounds good when it's got the right amount of tension. Too much tension, it could snap, actually. But it, uh, before it snapped, it sounds like crap. And then not enough tension, it sounds like uh, sounds loose and floppy. 
that's where you see people that just have no goals in life and they're they're lazy but they're miserable and depressed uh so the right amount of attention makes you feel excited and energized. Notice it if you pay attention during your day, the times where you're most in the flow and in the zone and and feel most fulfilled is when you've got a goal that you're trying to accomplish and you're engaged, engaged with it. So the trick is to look at where you are and then set because I don't really think you can do much about that <laughs> and then set a goal that's uh, set several goals maybe like break apart your life into different categories you know segments sectors and then set goals for um, for things that are stretch they call them stretch goals stretch goals that create a little bit of tension and uh, get you thinking about stuff so for example uh, I notice that I am ready and wanting to do a race or an event or something cool whenever I start thinking about it while training. And I was thinking about the Magnolia Masters uh, swim camps. And while I'm swimming and during my swim workouts, I'm thinking about it. I'm like, I wonder what this swim camp is going to be like. Are people going to be watching me and watching my stroke? And what are they going to think? They're going to think, oh, that guy's not as good as he thinks he is. Or, oh, that guy's better than I thought he would be. Or, or uh, crap, are they going to ask me to dive off of a block and sprint? Because I haven't done that in so long, I'll probably break myself. <laughs> or are we going to do fast sets and slow sets? And what, what lane, if it's multiple lanes, you know, what lane will I be in? Right. So I start like thinking about now. I'm engaged. I've got this energy and this tension uh, that keeps me uh, motivated throughout the day. And one thing that definitely works for me is to set up things that are difficult. And then try to do them just because people think that they can't be done or it's just a little bit too difficult. They're like, I'll show you. I can do it. All right. So there's all that. And also I wanted to mention, we've been talking about fueling off and on and my whole life of this podcast. And one thing is um, there's the right amount. There's the middle path, the right amount for you of carbs uh, before you work out and your blood sugar. And I accidentally, I, th- I got lost in the moment and thought I was uh, making fuel for like a bike or a run, but I wasn't. I was, uh, so I put maltodextrin powder in my, um, in my coffee. And along with, I put it about a tablespoon maybe less in my coffee on the way to the pool. And that kind of ups my blood sugar so that when I start off swimming, I'm, I'm ready to go, but it's not too much. It's just, it's just the right amount. And then the, um, but what I've been suspicious that maltodextrin on top of that, it's either the maltodextrin in general or the maltodextrin on top of that. Uh, that's too much. The maltodextrin possibly depends on the person, but it, and me, possibly, it burns too fast. And then, it's not that it's too many calories. It, it was too fat. It could have been that it was too many calories in general. I'm not really sure. I guess I could try about 60 calories of maltodextrin Friday when I swim again and see if I feel the same way. But I don't like that. I like maple syrup because it's all natural, you know. But anyway... 
I was swimming and I felt hollow. I felt like low energy and a little, not really shaky, but just a little bit. And I was like, that's that thing I was talking about where you got to be careful and not pre-fuel or fuel too much during your swims uh, because it's actually uh, not bad. I mean, not good for you. It could be bad. So I had that happen this morning. But I was working on my swim again and was really enjoying it, trying to get seven strokes across the pool and then uh, moving my head up, down, gliding more, gliding less. Oh, I tried something funny to, uh, to see if it was fast or not. Because what you think you know about aerodynamics and aerodynamics in the water, which I guess is hydrodynamics, is, uh, is not always what it appears to be. You know, like a fast fish is actually uh, bigger in front and then tapers off to the back. Kind of like an airfoil, like a above ground uh, on, an, on an airplane or on a bike. And so I pushed off the wall with a fist. And I tried both hands and it just didn't quite work. I'm not good enough at it yet. But dude, I was just as fast pushing off the wall with a fist <laughs> and then two fists. Uh, as I was uh, open-handed, you know, with my hand flat. Uh, I don't know. I was just experimenting. I don't know if that's a smart thing. And then also, um, I started doing better swimming, doing the S-pull instead of the straight pull, the bent elbow pull, where you actually kind of do an S-pull. And I don't know if that's actually... Um, I think it totally depends on the person. It quite possibly depends on how long your arms are. If your arms are super long, then you got to put them somewhere. So maybe uh, doing an S-pull S is actually uh, more efficient than a straight, well, like a bent arm and then a straight pullback pull. And then also I grew up doing it. So maybe my um, maybe I'm faster at it just because I'm more used to doing it. And it was just fun to kind of mix things up. A lot of times I'll try something different and then it'll be faster for a lap or two and then it'll be back to the same and then slow again. And uh, honestly, sometimes I wonder if just changing things slightly uh, every once in a while is faster. Oh, there's an old Toyota Supra. Nice. Cool car, dude. And it's not that old. Let's see, oh, Paul Sherwin died. That sucks. Um, he was one of the commentators, he and Phil Liggett for the Tour de France. And there was something else. Oh, Zwift um, released a notice that they are, their gaming had a, uh, a problem with it where, <laughs> I don't know if they, if they predicted this or not, but uh, it only went up to 25 levels. And there's a lot of people that are way over 25 levels. And you get it by experience point you get so many points per mile and stuff like that so you level up and level up anyway so they've upped it to 50 and it's i don't want to get into it now like how you level up and all that stuff it's uh if you're already over the 25 now it's open to 50 they give you there's an option to get those points that you deserve at a much faster rate because you really already deserve them but i was super excited to see um i didn't see any triathlon bikes on the list but i found a list of possibly what you get at the different levels and maybe it's like level 40 or something like that you get an aero helmet like a a bell javelin like i guess uh teardrop helmet <laughs> it's freaking cool and then um 
and then possibly at level 50 there was a question mark next to it a um a disc wheel disc wheel all right that's it i'm uh gonna get off the mic and go for a run out bang Well, my standing while biking, standing to pedal up hills, is continuing to pay off big time, if uh, I mentioned it earlier. Uh, I've started adding more of that in on my workouts because I noticed that it really started strengthening things. And strengthening the stabilizing muscles. Uh, and then I'm able to do it when I want. Not, I don't have to do it, so I was able to start doing it, and it started fixing my uh, plantar fasciitis and my calf injury and all this stuff. And I guess it's it's dosing me with uh, strengthening, and then that better strength uh, handles the load a whole lot better. I remember a while back, a couple of years ago, a year ago. When I started trying to do that, that um, I had spent so much time in the arrow position training for Ultraman, getting low and arrow, that um, standing to pedal was actually difficult. I felt unstable and weak and just like a mess. And I think that's what led to a lot of injuries is uh, that destabilization. And so there's also this thing, if, if you, you could do up to a 50 mile trail run, uh, on your training based on your, uh, training from an ultra, from an Ironman because of all the running you do and cross back and forth. They're like actually really good for each other. If you do, apparently if you do standing and pedaling, <laughs> but anyway, so I've been, ex- uh, I've been adding in more, uh, standing and pedaling to climb up hills on Zwift. And, or you could do this outdoors, you know, whatever you want. And suddenly, on my runs, having a, uh, well, what happened was a few runs ago, I'm just jogging along, and I noticed my pace was suddenly uh, on a run, like, much faster than usual. And I was like, well, I'm not running any faster. I don't, I mean, I was, but I didn't feel like I was running any faster. I didn't feel like I was trying any harder and I didn't feel like I was doing anything different. If anything, my, um, my cadence, my turnover actually seemed to be even lower, oddly. And this has been going on for a while. And, uh, today, same thing. And so I really was paying attention. Uh, it just happened just like 30 minutes ago. So I really started paying attention, like, what is going on? What am I doing differently? And I noticed that uh, even though it was a, a slower turnover, I was I was able to push off with my calves, use my calves a whole lot more to push off, especially on the uphills. And apparently, even though it's a slower turnover that I was doing and more relaxed and everything, that that extra push was generating on average uh, more speed felt good like just felt but it didn't feel like I was trying it felt like I was trying less 
and I was running faster. And that reminded me, you know, when you train for uh, running, if you're running hilly stuff, man, your calves are what take the load. So anyway, I'm super, super excited that my running seems to have uh, been bumped up by the, uh, and improved, and it seems to be an injury prevention and repair method by, um, when you climb hills on the bike, make sure to spend some time in a low gear and standing and pedaling and really working it. And uh, getting your, um, it, it just like, it strengthens everything. And on the bike, it's a really controlled environment. Anyway, I gotta go into W to the ERK. I got a meeting in a little bit. All right, out, bang. All right, we are hiking. I'm with the Boy Scout troop. And here's hiking. It's been dumping rain, but we got to get in our practice hikes to go to Philmont. Started training a couple months ago. And um, the way you train for this is hike without a backpack and start adding a big backpack. These are big, like, frame backpacks that you see people hiking in the Appalachian Trail and stuff with. And then and start loading up the backpacks with gear. More and more equipment. One thing you're definitely doing is testing over time your boots and your see where your backpack rubs you. See if you start chafing and getting blisters. And then there's a lot of uh, the boys learning what actually works as far as gear and stuff for the weather. Like it's been dumping rain. It's it's 35 degrees. Whatever. How do you stay warm? It's pretty neat. All right, hold on. All right, I'm back. So we got eight of us. I think there's nine going on the backpacking trip next summer. That'll be a podcast. <laughs> There's bears. Got to put food up in bear bags at night. Big elevation gains. Uh, and we're coming from almost sea level. So be pretty cool. Wait, here comes Kai. I'm recording for the podcast. How you doing? I'm good. Are you ready for uh, how many miles do you think we hiked? Four and a half. That's where we're at right now? That's yeah, two hours. Four and a half. Your backpack feel pretty loaded down? It feels light. I feel like my school backpack here with all my stuff in it. All your books? Yeah. Oh, cool. It's pretty smart. No, and I don't you, trust you. You lost a tooth. Yeah. This got real primal real quick. Spitting blood. You're hiking so hard. Yeah, I was spitting blood for like 20 minutes. Like 30. Was it on that nasty ass beef jerky that Owen gave you? No, it was that Lara bar. <laughs> That's why I said I wanted the peanut butter one. Because that the you bit in on a big nut. Yeah, big nut. Yeah, so nut. that's why Amrito bars are better. Yes, that is it's little seeds and stuff. Yeah, instead of big chunks of nut and almonds that knock your too teeth much. out. Yeah, knock your teeth out. 
Well, this has been accidental best commercial ever. Yeah, it was a good day. We had a little recovery time. Yeah, I was trying to do like a report off of like a race or something. Oh, okay. Let's say this is a race. How, what's the... <laughs> who's in the lead? Uh, Caleb is up there. Yeah. We're in the back talking. I'll probably do a sprint at the end. Oh, talk about all the water crossings we did. There were about seven crossings that were about 20 feet like long. across long. Yeah. And it covered up the whole trail, and it was about five inches deep. At least. At yeah. least five inches deep. And there were no way to get around it. Yeah. There was no way to get around it. So we had to walk straight through it. It was miserable, and my feet are cold, and it's cold outside. So, are your hands cold? A little bit. Yeah. My feet hurt. Good. This is good training. Yeah. Film on will be easy after all this. Yeah. All right. That's what I cool. need. What? Uh, hiking shoes that are waterproof. Hiking boots. Yeah, I might get some ultras. I want hiking boots to have that same stuff in it, that Ego Boost or ultra Adidas Boost, or Ultra Boost, whatever they want to call it. They have them. Uh, Adidas have some. Yeah. I almost said Adidas. Adidas. I'm so used to saying Adidas. I want to get some hiking boots with that stuff in it because that stuff's insane. It's so good. Especially with a heavy backpack, you know? You're carrying like a third again of your weight or so, maybe. I wouldn't say that, a quarter of your weight again on you for 10 miles. Oh, whoa, somebody's filming a video. Yeah, they are, look. Is somebody gonna propose to somebody? Go over there and tell them to shut that music off because I can't have it on my podcast or I'll get it pulled down. I thought I knew that guy. So there's a photographer and a girl and, a, and her boyfriend in there taking woods photos. That's the kind of stuff a mom says. She, we need to take a family photo. She wants to drag us out into the swamp. Have us hold a muskrat and be like, eh, we're a happy family. I'm like, no, mom. No. Hide your kids. Hide your wife. There'd be muskrats all up in here. All right, I'm going to get off the mic. It's been a good hike, man. Yeah. Good, good job. Hike. Yep. You're getting better at it. I can see the end. It's right there. There it is. All right. I think it's about time to start wrapping up this show. We are leaving the pool. It's Monday morning for a nice little swim. Pool was all milky, murky, nasty, which... I temporarily told myself, you know, this is good training for open water swimming, but ugh. And warm. People need a shower before they get in the pool, man. Makes it all nasty. And, and then it gets hot if you're starting to swim. So it's a little bit better. But I had a good training tip. I had something happen Sunday on my bike ride where... Oh, I've got totals too. Totals for the week. I like doing this. Totals for the week. Sounds kind of fun. It's a good motivator. And I can't see out of my car. Oh. Man, we had a ton of rain the past few days. 
And then I think Kai's backpack leaked water. I wonder if it's my backpack. All in my car from our backpacking trip. But anyway, there we go. I need, I need to wipe my windshield. I can't see. And I think it's actually from the inside from all the moisture. Looks like it's a mix inside and outside. A little bit of ice on the outside. We get ice down here. Not in Houston, but I'm about an hour and a half northwest of Houston inland. And it, we do get some uh, much colder weather. <laughs> much. Somewhat colder. Anyway, I uh, was doing my bike ride and I noticed that my uh, quads were cramping up like pretty bad. If I stood to climb, my quads seized. Man, I gotta do some work on this windshield. This is a mess. Let's get some defrosting going. My quads would start seizing this thing's all messed up too. That's why I can't see out that window. No. <laughs> this is screwed up. Uh, on the uh, hill climb, standing the climb. And I was like, that's interesting. And then that was about an hour in. And I was planning on doing two hours. And then it kept getting worse and worse. And then about a, an hour and 40 minutes, hour 40. Yeah, about an hour and 40 minutes, I started thinking, you know what? Maybe I should quit because this is um, this might be at the point where I'm no longer improving myself this, this is a signal that I've done uh, enough and I started doing some uh, mental math going I think I did train more this week and that's when you get cramps a lot of times is you've over fatigued your muscles and that's definitely a sign that nothing you do from here on out is actually going to be of any benefit. You need to rest so that you can uh, rebuild and recover. And so then I did another hill climb. These are real short. And then uh, I was like, yep, that's it. <laughs> I'm done. And, uh, and got off the bike. But it was really cool. The two days in a row for two hours each ride... Uh, I did a two-hour ride after a one-hour run. Kind of like a reverse brick. I like doing those right now. It's a long story. But uh, I was averaging over 260 watts. Like 262, 263 sometimes. Uh, average for the entire ride. Which is nice. Merging. Merging. There we go. And Nissan Xterra's got this problem where it doesn't like to uh, doesn't like to run the heater unless I'm accelerating or like giving it some good gas, then the heater works. Same thing with the AC, it's kind of weird. I think it, though it's wired wrong. <sighs> anyway, so that's your training tip is one, know your numbers. Like how many hours per week, how many miles per week have you been going? So that, uh, and how much hard, have you, have you done more hard efforts? Uh, and then you know that when you start cramping specific, specifically in specific muscles, like your quads, for example, not all over, but in like specific muscles, you've worn those muscles out and they're trying to say, that's it, I'm done. They're trying to protect themselves. You've officially uh, done, you've done it, dude. It's, it's a good sign, man. That means you can stop. And that's what I did. I was like, well, I guess I'm done. And that's nice. Uh, and 
I um, went back and looked at my total. So I've got training peaks set up for myself and my coaching clients where I can see the totals per week, hours and miles. And yeah, I had increased uh, my my running and my uh, biking compared to the previous two weeks a little bit. And that was the sign. So hours for the week are pretty cool. Uh, 14 and a half hours of training up from 13 and it was like 13 hours and 15 minutes or something like that from the week before. So over, way over an hour jump. And a lot of it was a increase in running and, and biking. So uh, numbers, let's see, 12 and a half thousand yards uh, for swimming. And then uh, three hours of training. Oh man, I didn't do my hours for biking and running. I don't. I mean, I got them, but I don't remember off off the top of my head. But let's do miles. Uh, 150 miles of biking, and let's see. Um, oh, 33 point something miles of running, which is nice. It's nice. And then, uh, yeah, two hours of. Um, of hiking with uh, with the Boy Scout troop, but I didn't include that. I'll, I kind of should, but I kind of don't want to. It's not the hours really weren't so much. I don't want to include those hours so much. What's really cool about the hiking is you could feel the fat burning going uh, because we were wearing heavy packs. I think if I wasn't wearing a you know a thirty pound pack backpack, it's not that heavy, I know, but it's still relatively heavy. Uh, if I wasn't carrying that, then um, it would have been just like a casual stroll and definitely wouldn't have been a workout but the um, the heaviness of the backpacks uh, made it uh, much better yeah my windshield keeps freezing I've got this I think I've got this issue where this puffy jacket is so warm I feel a lot warmer than I normally would at this temperature outside I think it's a lot colder than I realize uh, and this uh, super cool puffy jacket is a uh, is insulating me from the uh, problems. Um, I was listening to Triathlon Terran and his interview with uh, his Dave. Oh, God, what was it? He's got a uh, funky kind of sounding last name. It's fun to say Blim or something like that. And uh, all about uh, low carb, high fat. Oh, and big news. I've struck a deal with Speedhound. Go check them out. Speedhound. I think it's speedhound.com. And they make recovery boots. Woo! So for the first time ever, I'm going to be able to uh, get to test these out. And he's, uh, or they, uh, Speedhound is um, dual sponsoring. Uh, Kai and I, we're going we're gonna to trade off on these um, recovery boots. Kai is a... Uh, regional or district um, champ in the two mile run in track and then also runs cross country and of course uh, gets podium all the time in, uh, in kids triathlons so he's a he's an awesome candidate for this stuff and they also make transition mats and they make um, 
something that I've been wanting to try out and I've kind of tried making my own and uh, by tying a balloon to myself, which only kind of worked, which is uh, uh, those, those buoys you kind of air up and then uh, tie to your waist and then swim and they're bright colored and then it can carry some of your swim gear in it. And this is to help you from getting hit when you swim open water. And he was talking about not trying not to get hit by kayaks and such. And I was like, dude, I'm trying not to get hit by freaking speedboats doing 50 miles an hour across the lake. And uh, I'm super excited because this means that Kai and I can start swimming across Lake Bryan again uh, because we have this great open water lake to do this. But yeah, it's it's a it's round. And so you're out in the middle of that thing and a, um, there's no shoreline to swim next to, really. So you're out in the middle of this thing and you could get hit if you're not watching yourself. So, all right, there's that. Um, still using the salt stick. So check them out, saltstick.com for the, our electrolytes. Really work, they work really, really well. Still doing the uh, maltodextrin and, and uh, maple syrup as my fuel, my magic fuel. And I'm trying to think what else that we got going here. We're gonna do some uh, interviews with uh, uh, the guy behind Speedhound because he's got a really cool uh, triathlon business model that's going and just lessons for all of us on how to do more of what you love and how to bring triathlon to everybody. That's pretty cool. So I think that's it. Oh, you can support the show by going to zentriathlon.com and looking at uh, the left-hand side of the page. There's a PayPal link. You can scroll down there and support the show with recurring or one-time donation. And it helps keep the show on the air. Spend a lot of time making the show. And uh, those, little, those little dollars add up to uh, pay for the, all the stuff that we uh, try to get into. And, um, yeah, my recovery is going a whole lot better with my foot. So hopefully I'm going to be entering a race really soon. And I'm on uh, Zen. I'm on uh, Instagram as Zen Triathlon. And also on uh, Twitter as Zen Triathlon and ZenTriathlon.com. And also, uh, Kai and I are going to try to make uh, more motivational videos because all I do is when I hang out with Kai, is I give him, I'm like a motivational uh, uh, fire hose. I'm just like, this and that, you can do this and that. And I did this this one time and I thought I was going to die, but then I overcame it. <laughs> and so, uh, he started videoing me and uh, to put these things on the web. He likes it because he wants to put stuff out to practice that. And uh, so hopefully we'll have some more of that out there. Uh, Instagram seems to be a good uh, model for that. Anyway, platform, I mean. Anyway, that's it. Uh, everybody stay safe out there. Work the uphills, cruise the downhills, and keep the rubber side down. Out. <laughs>